Yeehaw, and welcome to Cartel Aristocrats cast number 97. This cast, as always, is sponsored by CoolStuffInc.com and GatheringMagic.com, who have provided us with a sweet 25%, $25 gift card to give away. With free shipping on orders of $100 or more, and an insane May rate of a 35% BIOS trade-in bonus, CoolStuffInc.com is the store for all of your Magic the Gathering needs. I'm Jeremy, and I'm joined this week with Jim Caselli of GatheringMagic.com, Ed Wynn of Kerwin's Game Shop, and Travis Allen of MTG Price. How are you guys doing this week? We're good. It's just a little early. We we decided to do this very impromptu, and I'm not quite ready for uh, a 10 a.m. podcast about magic. What is your normal wake-up time on Sunday to say that 10 a.m. is too early? Uh, it's not that I, I don't wake up at this time. It's that I'm not, like, a real person at this time. Like, I'm awake and I'm moving, but, like, I'm not trying to, like, do anything reasonable. Yeah, I, I wasn't aware that... Between like yeah. ten and ten thirty on Sundays, but I also sit around and don't do anything for an hour. Take my time, drink my espresso. I wasn't aware that I wasn't aware that there were people that did things before noon or woke up before noon on any day of the week. You people are monsters. Listen, Ed, some of so, us like to sleep, okay? I know that you don't do that, but the rest of us enjoy it. So for those of you that don't know, Ed and I are currently at GP Dallas Fort Worth. We met a lot of subscri- er, listeners, subscribers, all that stuff this weekend. Ed got recognized by less than half of them, which was pretty cool. I had to visually point him out. Uh, we had a really, really some really fun interactions with some uh, some of our listeners, like uh, Bruno, who helped us out to pick up some pieces of cards. Uh, Morph Wallbender also was pretty chill. I think he's trading for a sealed beta pack that I picked up, which is awesome. Uh, it's been a pretty good GP. Ed has been like running around nonstop, and I've just been sort of having a fun time. Uh, price trend-wise at the GP, nothing's really crazy, I would say. Like, dual and Bios are a little aggro, only because there's a Legacy GP next weekend. Um, but other than that, there's only seven vendors here. So if you were trying to ogre your collection, it was not a good weekend to come here. Because uh, everyone's running out of money because there's always seven vendors. What have you been thinking about the GP, Ed? Uh, it's, it's been a pretty good event overall. This feels like it's been... There's been fewer people here than there have been in the past uh, Texas events. But um, I can actually flip my camera around so people can look at the room here, I think. So everyone watching live, this is the view from behind the booth. The main event is in that corner of the room over there. The entrance is down there. There are three vendors along the wall. Channel Fireball is adjacent to us. There's cool stuff further down. Tokyo MTG, like down there. And then on the other opposite end of the wall, there is Miniatures Market, Strike Zone, and uh, Heidi Ho over there. Uh, and the room is like pretty empty this morning. It's early. But in, in the past years, the past few times I've done GP Dallas, this room has been completely packed. So, Ed, walk over and find a professional player and uh, start talking to them on camera, and then we can say we had LSV on Cartel Aristocrat. Actually, LSV is buying cards for me. I'm dropping them off for him. (laughs) Uh, LSV recently got into old school, and I picked up a lot of old school, and I'm doing a delivery service now for him uh, because he and Ifro, who both play a lot of old school, want to get into the format more. So it was pretty fun to get a message last night from him. He was like, yo, I want to buy this old school stuff. And I was like, oh, cool. Do I have to ship it? He's like, no, just drop it off at any Grand Prix. 
It's like, all right, that was easy. The humble brags. The humble brags. <laughs> I, I successfully out MTG financed Ed on this trip, and he is a little salty. I also want to just point out that before this cast, Ed Jeremy was telling me how much he hates humble brag stories and bad beat stories, and then brought one to the table. Only to tilt Ed. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's been a good GP for both of us. Um, other than that, standard prices. Lyra Dawnbringer had a pretty high BIOS on the floor. Vendors are pretty confident in that card still. Um, Karn also had a very high BIOS. I believe Tokyo was paying 30. Another vendor was paying 32 for a very short time. So vendor confidence is very high on that card as well. Because I think you make $35 after fees right now if you sell them on TCG. Uh, so that's a very, very low spread of 10%. So it's just something to keep in mind. Well, there have been some other spikes too, right? Like, isn't the buy list on um, Settle the Wreckage really high? I believe it is currently $12 on the floor, and TCG Low is 15 or 17 right now. So that is also a very aggressive buy list. I think people are starting to warm up to that. That's, it's, just like, it's just a very solid card overall, and Blue White is in a pretty good spot right now. White yep. definitely gained... White definitely gained the most amount of tools, right? Like the traditional like blue black like scarab god base control vector kind of like falling by the wayside right now. Um, there, it, it doesn't seem like scarab god is like the powerhouse. It's kind of been shifting towards like Teferi, Karn, and uh, Lyra. So it's a good spot. And another it definitely has to trend up because of it. Another thing to keep in mind is the blue white control deck, uh, the challenger deck has a copy of Settle the Wreckage and. Um, uh, Walking Ballista, which Walking Ballista currently retails for 17 and Settle the Wreckage currently retails for 15 I believe. Uh, so you're basically buying the deck for free if you're trying to flip the cards and you can get around retail. And even if you can't, you can buy list both of those cards for $3 less than what the deck costs. And then just get like uh, four irrigated farmlands for free. So it's just something that, uh, Jim, you were right about Exelon cards spiking because there's a lot of potential for both the Challenger decks and for a really good rate of return in a very short term. And if you find stores that had the, uh, if they charge above MSRP for the Chandra deck and they expected to make it up by charging less on like the approach decks, you can definitely find, you used to be able to find the approach decks for like well below MSRP because that was viewed as like the lowest value deck. So probably those deals are gone now that, you know, that Settle has kind of pushed that deck up, but uh, you might, you might be able to find like reasonable sale price on them out there. All right, well, let's get into our credit question of the week, Jim. <laughs> Why are you laughing, Travis? Because normally it's like <clears throat> half an hour to 40 minutes before we get to here, and now it's like, uh, yeah, we heard about the buy list at the GP. Anyways, what was the question? Right, so um, the question that we picked this week is from uh, Grant Shindo. And he asks, do you think there's value in collecting alt art foils like the ones from Planeshift? There's virtually no demand, but a big upside of not knowing how many of those actually exist. Um, as far as I know, those those foils from Planeshift are kind of like masterpieces where like there's just basically none of them in, uh, available. But I don't know that a lot of people actually know that they exist. That's the downside. Like, I don't know if anyone could like actually tell you. I think there's three, right? There's three alternate art foils. It's Tangarth with the Weatherlight and Urtai, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken. 
I'm not sure that many people could tell you which the, which cards those are or what they do or that they even exist. Or when Plane Shift came out, mm-hmm. as, as a matter of fact. Yeah, I, the only reason I know is because I played during that time period and I like vaguely remembered when I came back that there were some weird foils, but they don't really have any identifiers on them other than the fact that they have different art. So if you don't actually know what the original art looks like, then you'll never know that they're alternate art foils. Do you guys have any insight or any ideas? Thank you, Travis. You're welcome. My high quality mic pick all that up for you. Yes. No, I th- those those alternate arts are actually quite valuable. The Artai, uh, not the Artai, uh, the bad guy. Is it Artai? I guess maybe it is Artai. We're all quite valuable, but uh, yeah, I agree with Jim. Like most people have no clue they exist. Also, nobody wants them for anything. Like the only people that want them are collectors. Uh, so I mean, if the question is, is it worth like specking on them? Maybe. I mean, you could. That's a card that you could probably drive the price up artificially, right? Like. No one's buying that because of play demand. It's all collectors. Collectors don't really have a, like, the only foundation for price as far as a collector is concerned is how hard it is to get a hold of because they're not, like, using it for something. Uh, so you could, like, buy up all the alt art corrupted air ties and then be like, oh, they're not $100 anymore. Now they're 400 And if anyone wants any, like, where else are they going to get them from? Because you picked up basically all of them in circulation. So, uh, I mean... I don't think you're really going to lose money if you scoop these up. It's been like 20 years. Uh, I think they're they're not really going to go down at all. There's no reason for them to go down. But I don't know how fast you're going to make that money back. I haven't checked the stock either. If there's none on the market and you can get them one or two for cheap, then it might be worth it. But if there's like 20 or 30, it's probably not ideal. I agree with Travis. I think that if like you find one in a collection, like if you're scouring Craigslist or something and it pops up, there's nothing wrong with putting money in. But, I mean, we've talked about, like, how to maximize your capital. Uh, and I think that there's dozens of examples where investing in something else will provide a greater return and less of a risk than these cards. I think there's so many other ways to make money, and it's such a niche item that you're going after that almost anything else that you attempt to speculate on or that you attempt to trade for will have a better rate of return than these cards. So, it's all for me, it's opportunity cost, and that's what I would be looking at. Now, if you're looking at trying to make like a mutual fund worth of magic, first of all, please invest responsibly before you buy magic cards and use this as an investment. But once you have uh, sufficiently filled your 401k and everything else, I think that if you want to pick up one or two of these after you've already worked on dual lands or shock lands or fetch lands, there's nothing wrong with that. This would just be one of the things that you may be stuck with for a while and you could get better returns elsewhere. For, for reference, uh, right now there are only 13 sellers on TCG Player that have the Urtai the Corrupted uh, alternate art plane shift foil. Of those, a handful have more than one copy. So like, there's a, like probably like 25 of them available, and most of them are not in great condition, as you might expect of a card from plane shift. So, like, yeah, there's like some there's very low supply and you could move this yourself, but honestly, I think it'd just be so difficult to find the person that actually even wants to buy them. Like I don't know how long these have been listed for. You know what I mean? Like it's just it's just so hard to to get rid of those kinds of things. If you wanted to get like 
some cool foils for your collection. I think there's like other things that people know more about and it will be easier to move in the long run that you could probably get like the, um, the old two headed giant, like full art promos that they used to make. So I think that there's three of those, right? There's the muta vault that like basically doesn't exist in the super expensive, uh, the niv Mizzet and the Doran, right? Yes. Uh, slightly different animals. Those were given out at uh, top eights for states back in the day. The reason the Mutavault one is five hundred plus dollars is because that was only given out in the UK, and it had it, it didn't really exist outside of the country at that time. So that why that the reason that one is exceedingly rare for that reason. It never made it to the US because I believe that event got canceled before it could actually come to the US. So they, those just weren't available. Right. So if you wanted to pick up alternate art foils, if you just really wanted to have some in your collection for some reason, I think that those might be better ones because people are more familiar with them and they're more likely to be sought after, even if there are more of them in existence. Ah, uh, that's a good point. Like the cards themselves are also just a lot better. I, I think to kind of like sum it up, you guys all hit it on the head. I think obscurity is just the biggest uh, is the biggest hindrance for them. Right? Like they're like yes, they're rare. They're probably honestly more rare than like the reserveless foils from Urza's Legacy and Urza's Destiny. But something like you know a foil Academy Rector, it's it, it's obviously much more expensive. That's not a great example, but there are the foils from the Urza blocks that are just probably just as expensive if not more expensive because they're much just much more visible they they don't have the problem of obscurity because you know like the alternate art gimmick was just not a huge thing back then um so a lot of people just naturally don't know about them like they've never seen one they've never been exposed to it the cards they're based on don't see a lot of play to begin with so most people like i can't i honestly don't remember like what those three cards do off the top of my head like, I know what the art looks like. I can, like, see both the ultra art and original art in my head. But, like, what it actually does just eludes me because no one wants those cards, really. That makes sense. And, Jim, how can people ask a question for next week? Well, Grant, uh, when you hear this cast, give me a um, – send me a message on the Carshall Aristocrats Facebook page or Twitter account. And I'll get you your $25 in store credit for CoolStuffInc.com. If you'd like to win next week, you can post on the Gathering Magic article that goes up with our cast, uh, usually every Tuesday, although we're doing this on Sunday, so it might go up on Monday. Um, this week, we want to ask you a little bit of a different question or, or ask for different feedback. So instead of asking a question this time, um, let us know what you'd like to see in episode 100. So if you have any suggestions, any things that you want us to do, any guests maybe you want us to have on um, to make episode 100 more special than the rest. Oh, Travis really likes that idea. You can see it in his face. Sure. Anyway, so uh, just leave a, leave a comment on the Gathering Magic page and... Um, if you get chosen, if we think yours is the best, then we will give you a $25 gift certificate next week. All right, and moving on, I had something. Uh, I, have a, I have a dilemma, and Ed said no to clarify. I want him to go into this. 
if you had the opportunity to pick up Ixalan and Rivals of Ixalan boxes at $60, would you do it? Um, Joe, you want me to elaborate? Yeah. Why, why would I not buy Rivals of Ixalan or Ixalan boxes for $60? So there has to be a bit more context to this. Um, one of our vendor friends here, he had picked up boxes from someone. He, he had them at the booth, and he was just trying to offload them for slightly more than what he paid for. Um, and his asking price was 60 He offered them to us for 60 And I said no. One, because the product is still available to order. And while I understand 60 is below our normal distribution price, we just have too much on hand right now. And I just have no interest in ordering more uh, while the product is basically just phased out. It wasn't like – it doesn't have the – well-loved draft format going for it that would kind of incentivize people to come back and revisit it. Um, it's still in print standard. It's not particularly rare. It's not like the EV on it is going to go insane. Like, uh, if you've been kind of keeping track, the Expeditions have made Battle for Zedekar and Oath of Gatewatch boxes. The EV has gone up quite a bit on them because the values on those Expeditions are so high now. It's bumped up the EV. It's made it not unreasonable for people to want to hold on to these boxes. Um, Aether Volt boxes are already getting quite expensive because you can get Fatal Push in them, and there's cards like uh, like Walking Melissa that keeps the EV of the box propped up, and many of the inventions that you can get out of Aether Volt boxes are already very expensive. Um, Kaladesh is starting to follow that trend. Uh, so the Masterpiece, masterpiece sets uh, have that going for them, where it just feels like Ixalan rivals Ixalan. There's no reason to hold them long-term. Even at 60... They don't move that fast, and we just have too much in store to warrant like me wanting to take them. And because we have to, because I have to fly them back, that's just more weight that I have to haul around when it can be filled with other things that are more valuable. Okay, but from a non-vendor standpoint, isn't sixty insane for the casual player? Ed's muted. This is my favorite type of Ed. <laughs> <laughs> Ed, you're still muted. Whatever you're trying to say, bud, you have to unmute yourself. Oh, um, quality magic podcast right here. Yeah, trying to do this from my phone is not great. Um, like I, I again, I just don't see appeal. You you don't have the masterpiece like lottery going. It's not well like people don't like to draft it. I just don't know what they would do. Like opening it for for singles is pretty miserable because nothing outside is worth anything except for settled wreckage apparently. Um, and obviously like there's a few other ones like Carnage Tyrant etc. Those cards are all fine, but like it. Like, if you want for 60, sure, it's probably a reasonable deal. If anyone is listening to this podcast, you can actually go to the Tokyo MPG booth. You can probably offer them 60, and, they'll give it to you, and he'll give it to you right now. Allegedly. But, Allegedly. Uh, right. Uh, no promises. I'm sure most people won't hear about this until later, but that option is on the table. Um, but it's, I, I, would, I would park my money elsewhere right now, so... I mean, looking at, like, the average EV of a box at TCG Low, which is, like what essentially you can buy it for, like buy the singles for, both boxes are about like $45. So I don't even know that you're even going to make your money back if you bust this yourself. Like if you're, if you're just, if you're just like a casual player and you just want the cards in the set, like I think your money is still just better off spending on the few cards in the set that you want. All right. Well, that sums up. Uh, unless Travis wants to add something. Nope. Well, then that sums up why I shouldn't drop $60 on a booster box for standard, which is insane. Never thought I'd say that, passing on a $60 booster box. 
I mean, it 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 sucks that they don't have masterpieces, and then like that's the kind of stuff that would have kept the box price from actually going that low. But I don't. They just decided they don't want to do that anymore. I so I guess the like one merit is like paying for on sixty four is quite reasonable because you're not paying for shipping, right? Like no one's gonna sell you booster box for sixty dollars shipped, but paying sixty dollars now and then you know you 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 have to transport it back yourself. Like it's not unreasonable if you do want one to just you know do like uh, like a fun draft with friends or whatever. But I don't know why you want to visit, revisit and draft that format, and the EV just isn't there to open it. So I, it's a pass for me. All right, let's move into pick of the week then. And if you want to go first, Uh God, uh, I it was not ready for this at all, and I don't have my computer to pick something. Uh, come back to me. I'll, I'll, I'll think of something in the next like minute. Travis? I also don't have anything at the moment. <clears throat> Jimbo? Alright, so my pick this week is uh, Stony Silence. Um, it's the kind of card that will just always be good in modern forever and ever and ever, and it's at its all-time low. It's like three and change to buy them right now. Um... I can't imagine that it's going to get reprinted in another Master set very soon, and it was in Modern Masters 2017. So, I don't know how you go wrong, especially if you're a player, if you were, like, waiting to buy them for some reason. Like, cards in that set are going down a little bit. Some of them are at their all-time low. Basically, at this point, if you don't own everything that you want out of that set, I don't know if there's a really good reason to continue to wait. Like, we don't know that there's another Master set this year, and if you wait till next year, it's almost assuredly that they'll be more expensive. Ed? Uh, I feel like I might do the easy thing, but I, I think in light of kind of what's happened been going on here this weekend, I I would say like just dual lands are a good buy right now, as odd as that sounds. They're like they're definitely starting to people are starting to turn their attention to them, and people are starting to buy them. Um, plateaus are now like the cheapest one anywhere in the room. This weekend was a hundred dollars for a plateau. Um, which you know, this is a card that a year ago you were like you couldn't sell for like forty five dollars, um, and they're just trying to creep up. Scrubland is is falling. I just think it's like not that long before we start seeing you know the more played ones, Badlands, Bayou, all, all, all the way up to the blue ones start to trend upwards. Um, it's it's not a good investment in the in the sense that I, you know unless you have the capital and have nothing else to do with them, like I don't suggest going out and buying like you know, 50 underground seas or something. But if you're missing, like, one or two duels away from finishing your legacy deck or you want them to, uh, you want to have them in your cube com- commander deck or whatever, just, I, I would put a lot of focus on trying to trade or just setting money aside and buying them relatively soon. And I kind of fear that in me saying this, it's going to cause people to just start going out and buying them. And it's going to cause, it, it's going to further exacerbate the problem. But just, People have just been very, very bullish on trying to pick up duels this week. Uh, I've, I, I've heard a lot of people say, like, you know, I'm not that far off from my finishing my legacy deck. So this is the last one I need. I'm just going to fight the bullet now before these get any more expensive. Anything you want to add, Travis? Uh, I just had something. Where did I put it? No, I lost it. No. Oh, I know what I was going to say. Uh... Unlimited Moxon are 
Like, Look at us. We're calling dual lands and mocks and what a what relevant finance content. Well I I pick Stony Science. That's a card that people could reasonably buy. Yeah, I, I mean I you know, this is the first time I've ever talked about a card that's expensive, but all of this other stuff has moved significantly and the mocks haven't really moved yet. And now I you've... talked about this last week. He's stealing everything I said last week. Yeah, okay. Copycat. So there you go. Unlimited mocks. They're gonna double and then dump them again at like over two grand. Yeah, we actually sold a ton of power this weekend. Uh, power is basically gone from the room. Thanks, no, no part to Ed, who will not disclose how many pieces he owns. But uh, I basically asked for straight up TCG on Moxon this weekend and got it, and sold eleven pieces. So demand is definitely there. I can tweet out how what I what my pickup pickups this weekend were. I have no problem being transparent about that. Um. My pick of the week is Nicol Bolas Godfaro. This is a card that finally hit a low and has found a steady price thanks to only casual demand. Has not broken out in standard. And people are going to stop opening Hour of Devastation soon, even though the Invocation Rush is on. I think this is a card that increases by about 30% over the next year. And it's also very easy to move because the casual player base is that big. There are a lot of them out there, but this is a card that you can easily pick up from pretty much anyone's trade binder and then easily resell as well. So I really like that card as a long-term hold. It's also important to note that our devastation is no longer available through restock through Wizards of the Coast. You're basically left to order whatever distributors have in their, uh, in their stockpile right now, which is not that much, mainly because it wasn't a hugely popular set. It, was kind of, it, it kind of felt like it was like Magic was in a bit of a like, depression last summer. Um, so like the set wasn't very well received Wizards decided to stop printing it early um, so they're like what is out there is more or less out there so I would start looking to get boxes like if you see a sale like if Channel Fireball or Star City does a sale on boxes and you, and you find them in like the 80 to $85 range or you, you want to use like an eBay coupon code or something when they pop up it, I don't think it's unreasonable to want to Pick, the, pick these up sometime soon. All right. Anything else anybody wants to add for this week's abridged cast? No, I think we're good. All right. Where can people find you guys? Uh, my name is Jim Kasai. You can find me on Twitter at PHROST underscore. I'm Travis Allen. I'm on Twitter at Wizard Bumpin, B U M P I N. I write every Monday at MTG Price with the Watchtower, and I also do the MTG Fast Finance podcast. Uh, I'm at Edwin13 uh, on Twitter. I'm currently in Dallas in the lovely state of Texas. I'll be in Toronto next weekend for Pokemon Regionals. I'll be in Grand Prix Toronto the weekend after that. I'll be in Woo! Roanoke. Confirmed! Yeah, I'll be in Roanoke uh, at the end of the month. Star City Regionals with Corbin's Game Store in Syracuse in June. And we'll see you after that. I'm Jeremy. You can find me on Twitter at MazuraMTG, where I just posted a heck of a lot of old school cards. Um, you can find me this weekend at GP Dallas-Fort Worth. You can find me next weekend at GP Birmingham, Ed. Uh, shout out to the one to two UK listeners that will be there. We actually have listeners in the UK. The week after that, I will also be at GP Toronto. The week after that, I will be at GP Washington, D.C. Thanks for listening, guys. You can find us at Cartel underscore Finance on Twitter, on SoundCloud, YouTube, iTunes, Gathering Magic and MTG Cast at Cartel Aristocrats. And as always, we will see you guys next week. Have a good one. Bye.